Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. Our first installment of episode 17 goes gloriously awry in just about every way as Graham McMillan and I sit down with a checklist of topics to discuss and proceed to talk about none of them. We do, however, discuss Netflix Watch Instantly, Zardoz, Iron Man 2, the new footage of Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern, and... Unfortunately for perhaps all involved, cartoonists what are sexy and cartoonists what are not. It's as sexy as we're going to get until the day, somewhere far in the future, when Graham agrees to break out his Tom Jones impression. Till then, we hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Jeff Lester, Jeff Lester, Jeff Lester, Jeff Lester. See, I'm just putting that on a repeating loop. Yeah, I'm just, uh, should, I can edit these things, you know. That should be your ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe that's what I'll do. Um, I, yes. Um, if you actually use that to start the podcast, people will have to listen to me sing. It'll be like when John Stewart was singing at the, um, the Rally to Restore Sanity, and everyone was like, really? That's the best they could do. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think I think our audience will be more understanding if it's just you singing. So, uh, although that that other time where um, where we talked and you started off with like comics, I've been, <laughs> I have to say that totally made me rewatch Zardoz on Netflix. Watch instantly, and it was great. Can I, I just say, say Netflix Watch Instantly has been down this weekend, and it really annoyed me. Oh, really? Like, you're not getting it's, it it's, at all? It's I can only get certain things, really, weirdly. And then yesterday, I couldn't get anything at all. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, the only thing I could get on Friday night, I guess it was, was the Dimitri Martin uh, Important Things series. That's it. Wow. Everything else on the list, I couldn't watch. Oh, my God. That's kind of terrible. And I mean, uh, on the plus Martin side, aside. I, no, I actually liked the Dimitri Martin <laughs> show. But um, on the plus side, I finally watched it after being on the list for a while. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't let me watch anything else. It was really strange. And then last night, I, it kept on being like, oh, I can't connect to your internet. And it's like, everything else can connect to the internet. Why can't you? Why can't you? Yeah, um, send them a note and they will, because I actually just got an email kind of out of the blue like three days ago where they're like, yeah, oh, sorry, so, you had difficulty. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so, so did Kate. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I, 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 think, I think they know things are going wrong. Yeah. Well, what was it? it wasn't there some like crazy statistic where it's like, like Netflix takes up a huge chunk of of like the internet bandwidth now in the evenings or something? <laughs> like seriously, I, I thought I would there were surprised. Mm-hmm. I did come up with a great idea, however, if Netflix wants to take up even more, yes. which is hotels should just have Netflix streaming in all their rooms. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll. I think they'll that, never that do be... that in a million years. Of course, just because Netflix or the studios or who would say no well it's it, yeah it just seems like such a, a an obvious idea um it is but it's one of those deals of like um they make so much money off of order the way that it's set up now with the pay-per-view system mm-hmm. you know the hotel and everyone gets a huge cut of money whenever you spend like 13 bucks to watch sherlock holmes in the hotel room you know such that giving you access to Netflix 
just kind of for free or whatever would not really be like like they'll they'll give you the Wi-Fi like they're not even that crazy about like not charging you for the Wi-Fi but I mean you know left to your I, own devices. I was, I was going to say exactly where have you been that they've been giving you free Wi-Fi at a hotel? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the answer is nowhere. Yes, so, exactly. I've not been anywhere that they give me free Wi-Fi at a hotel, sadly. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It, well, so uh, when you were in L.A., did you like... Uh, oh, did, that was $10 a day. Which you paid for and then you're still out of pocket so far on, right? Yes. 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 Mm. Hey, speaking of, uh, uh, I don't know, Netflix and other, uh, like, on top of Zardoz, which was an amazing, great rewatch. Have you have you ever seen it, by the way? I saw it when I was a kid. Oh, I mean, my God. Really, okay. I saw it when I was, like, 11, 12. Oh, my God. Oh. Um, and so it's kind of broken my brain. I don't remember it properly. I just remember sort of watching it and being like, what the fuck is this? Right. Right. Well, I, I felt that way about just watching something like Excal, you know, his adaptation of Excalibur, which I saw when I was like, 15. yeah, which I, I saw, I saw around about the same time. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I remember all these things being on like Channel Four, which like is a reference that'll be understood by British people and makes no sense to anyone else. Um, but it, Channel Four is like the it's a it's ad supported, but it's like more alternative programming, I guess. Nice. Uh, and it, it'd be on like you know ten or eleven o'clock at night, and I remember seeing them then. But. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I know I've seen it, but honestly, I couldn't tell you anything about it. I could, I could tell you what Sean Connery looks like in it, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, you know, um, it may not necessarily be worth your time, but it is awesome. I love it. It is such a, <laughs> it's such a. It may not be worth your time, but it is. Uh, but it totally is. Like, um, well, Edie and I actually watched The Room. Like, we've just kind of been on like a, a movie watching spree, so we watched The Room. Um, while a little uh, inebriated, and it was, we about died laughing. That was like one of the more traumatizing things we've ever seen. Zardoz is better than that. Zardoz is, I I just love saying the word. I will probably continue. Zardoz. Zardoz. They're like, my new name is Zardoz. Zardoz. Yeah, no, I, uh, it, it, it's just great because it's such a, it's such a, it's such a Grant Morrison movie. It really is. It's like a, it's like a big old cheesy movie, but it pushes all of its metaphors, like right to the front, and it's really, to me, kind of subversive in that it, you know, it's a, it's 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 almost like a little bit of a twist of the the Wellsian, you know, conception of the future, where you've got the sort of the poor preiterate, and you've got the completely separate immortal ruling class, and uh, Sean Connery is somebody who out in the Badlands or Outlands has, you know, managed to make his way into the the society of the immortals where they all live. Um, and of course, everyone who's lived forever, it's like they have all these ways in which their culture has begun to atrophy without the presence of death. And so Zardoz, uh, Zardoz, um, Zed, who's Sean Connery, is the sort of you know, kind of virile Superman. Um, it probably, I suspect, it also owes the the movie owes a huge debt to uh, Alfred Bester uh, as well, like the stars My Destination. Um, mm-hmm. But he's like this sort of you know virile super dude who no one really suspects is as strong and as smart. They just sort of they call him the monster, and he he's there to bring sort of death essentially. I mean, he's there for his own reasons. 
uh, which get revealed throughout the course of the movie, but the various immortals each have their own reason for what they want with him. Um, and I, seriously, it's like, just watch it, pretend that you are reading a, a Grant Morrison comic book drawn by Chris Weston, and it it's, is... It's hilarious, because pretty much as soon as you say Grant Morrison comic, I was like, I'm interested in everything you've said since then. You know how in, when they do Charlie Brown, the <laughs> like, it's like, this is all I heard. You should see this movie. You should see this movie. You should see this movie. So yeah, I'll probably watch this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Do. I think you will enjoy it. But interestingly enough, we saw Iron Man 2 also, just for the first time, on video this week. That was a... Actually video cassette? Uh, Sorry, no. No, (laughs) that would be hilarious. That would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah, gear that up. Get the old Betamax going. You'll have to rewind it. Yeah, Iron Man Two, kind of a kind of a crappy movie, huh? <laughs> Iron Man Two is all over the place. And weirdly enough, when I watched it again, when I got the the DVD after I did the junket, oh yeah, uh, I liked it a lot more because I had no expectations of it. Mm. If that makes sense, mm. like I wasn't watching it for a story, I was able to just be like, "Well, that's a good scene. Well, that's interesting." Do you know what I mean? Like when I was watching it as a as a narrative, I was like, "What the hell is this? Huh? Yeah, yeah. What?" No, yeah. that doesn't even make sense. What? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, why are they fighting? How is Rhodey suddenly flying away? How did he get in the armor in the first place? What's... Huh? What? And now he's... Huh? What's this thing that's killing him? And yeah. now he's better because they have this mystery thing that makes him better? Oh, look, he's invented new element. Like, all of that was, like, seriously? Yeah. But, um... The storytelling in that is horrible. It's horrible. Well, no, I got to the end of it. I'm like, it all makes it all makes quote unquote sense. But that is a really yeah, shittily really, told it really movie. Doesn't make sense. No, I, like, I, it well, makes sense if you're willing to go with them on all of the ridiculous jumps they do. Yeah, they take. Well, there's there's the jumps that they take. There's the stuff that just is completely dumb and makes no sense. Uh, and then there's just the stuff that. Um, is badly told. Like the whole, all the stuff that's set up with Stark makes no sense. And then as it moves along, you're kind of like, oh, like it's not even like, oh, this makes sense as much as like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be understanding from the movie. Not that I'm understanding it now, but the whole idea of his, like they, they give you the whole idea that his blood poisoning, they get that in there super, super early. But in no way do they tie his behavior into it closely oh, no, enough it, it, until later. Yeah. Did, so. did you listen to the, the commentary? No, I'm not even sure we had the option, the, the DVD that allows you to have commentary. So the, the commentary is fascinating only because it's one of those cases where you realize that the director thinks he made an entirely different film than the one he made. Completely. And so he's saying, you know, on this sets up, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, it really doesn't. No, exactly. Like, maybe you thought it did, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't. Exactly. There's so much where the, the, it's such this weird, like, singularity where everyone trapped inside it thinks that they're communicating everything to the outside world and they're not. And really, I mean, the amount of stuff where I was like, you know what, John Favreau's character had maybe two lines in the first movie. Like, when he's running around in the second film, I'm like, Happy Hogan fan service? Like, you know, it's just like, it doesn't make, like, 
it made no sense. There, there was so much stuff that, and it was really the whole, all the shit with like that secondary shield agent who's like going off to Oklahoma for the Thor movie. That was the other stuff. This, the stuff with him and Fury and all the Avengers setup stuff, really terrible. I was really surprised at how bad Iron Man two was, especially because I mean I wasn't even expecting something to be like as good as the original, as the first Iron Man. But, I mean, what I got was really, like, dude, that was really, like, Spider-Man 3 just wrapped up with a better cast so you couldn't (laughs) notice. But it really was. It was just too much, too many scenes with, like, Mickey Rourke and Sam Rockwell, like, way too many. And I, I actually liked both those characters. But I'm like, this serves no purpose whatsoever other than to set up these various other elements really really kind of bad yeah it's 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 not a good movie wow i just sorry i had to do a little bit of fanboy no, venting no, with no, you no, there no, but you're right it's not a good movie i uh, just was and really... as we said that i think iron man 2 and just various things like the captain america costume photo that they release mm-hmm. makes me really nervous about thor and captain america mm-hmm. as movies yeah i'm just kind of like huh uh-huh. These are going to like look good, right. but that's about it. Well, it's it's odd. Like I'm weirdly nervous about. It. And actually, have you seen the footage for Green Lantern that's just leaked online? Yes, uh, I did. I'm, I don't even think that, that looks good. I, no, that actually <laughs> looks worse than the Green Hornet footage, if you ask me. Um, yeah, uh, and so that makes me horribly worried for the Green Lantern movie because I think like he actively like the. The visual of the character looks dopey as shit. Yeah, the the whole mask thing. This is one of those rare situations where they were too faithful. They were too faithful. I think honestly, Green Lantern still the, has a chance entirely because of Ryan Reynolds. Like I watched that he's, leaked he's, footage. He's, yeah, he's he's really charismatic. I was going to say that. He is. He's 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 got really you know part of it is his comedic chops are really good. So like. There was a couple of the li- like just about every line in that leaked footage stuff were kind of pretty much groaners, but he carried about two thirds of them. He actually made them work. Like that whole thing where it, like he he's like I know right to his like to w- what I'm assuming is Pie Face 2.0 or whatever. I was like he he might make this work. He might make this work. But honestly, I do not see how this movie's going to work. Otherwise, frankly, like, and, and what's interesting to me is in order for him to make it work, he also kind of can't be Hal Jordan in a way that we think of as Hal Jordan. You know what I mean? No, that was the thing. Like when you show the, like the 30 seconds where he's talking to his friend and he's like, I know, right. Honestly, I was like, that's Kyle Rayner. That's not Hal Jordan. Exactly. Which is really, which is, I don't know. I find that really interesting because I've, thought for a long time that if you're doing a Green Lantern movie, you start with Kyle Rayner. Mm-hmm. And you start with the, you know, you have this magical ring, it's a wishing ring, it's wonderful, but the only other human who's ever had one has gone mad and is trying to kill you. And, like, that's your plot. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a very nice spin. As well as, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a nice, um, it's also the nice, like, the entire core has fallen, so you don't have to have the mythology in place right there in a way. No, you but know? you can also 
builds it, you can offer the Easter eggs and you can build it back up in the later movies. Exactly, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It makes your bad guy seem more dangerous because he's killed off everyone else who has the same magic wishing ring as you. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it has all this sort of weird backstory, but it's all in a crumbled, fallen apart way. I mean, because otherwise you, you really do have this whole idea of like, well, if there's 2,700 other of you guys, then what makes this guy really that important in a way? You know, yeah. which is, is... And what what's going to happen is they're going to come up with some, like, random reason in the movie. Oh, completely. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be like, he wants it more. Right. Well, Do you know what he, I mean? Which, yeah. which is always the Hal Jordan thing. It's like, he's the greatest because we see his. <laughs> exactly. But you can never really demonstrate it because all he can really do is be like, I am... You know, I don't know. I have slightly better willpower than, than all the other recipes who have exactly the same thing. Do you know what I mean? And, it's, and that's really fake. Whereas if you do the Kyle Rayner story, which is everyone else has been taken care of. Do you know what I mean? Everyone else is yeah. dead. Mm-hmm. You're the only survivor. You've got to learn this. And if you win from this, then you are legitimately the best of them. Right. Because right. you're the only guy who solved this problem. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you'll they'll probably do some other flip-flop of that that, you know, similar but different that kind of won't be as satisfying i I have to say i like the cut of your jib sir i would certainly see your your green lantern movie um that's why i work in hollywood exactly but uh but yeah no but but ryan reynolds when he works he works in a way that like you said is much closer to kyle rayner for me than he is like hal jordan they might even be able to pull it off in terms of like he's going to be a cocky air force pilot but he's going to be a cocky air force pilot in a in a Ryan Reynolds way. Um, yeah, no exactly. Like I can believe he's going to be cocky and everything but I think he's going to be he's going for some reason and this might just be a DC from like the 50s be my age now. Mm-hmm. Um he seems like he, he seems much younger in leaked footage than I think of when I think of Hal Jordan. Right. No, but that's not, I mean, that's not even the DC from the 50s, you know, when they... No, but, but, but I mean, I think the Hal Jordan from back then, just because society was much more sort of restrained and, and had rules, mm-hmm. even for its, like, crazy flyboy cocky heroes. Right. Like, I think it was more, I don't want to say respectful, but, you know what I mean, more staid. Oh, completely. I mean, he wasn't, he was, he was a test pilot. Which just meant that he was kind of a badass, but they didn't really do much cockiness with him. Yeah, and he wasn't really a badass. Do you know what I mean? Like he was, he was the DC Silver Age version of a badass, which right. isn't really a badass. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's because that's what DC did in the fifties. It was like you know, this guy's awesome. We'll never show you him doing anything awesome, but he's awesome. It's like, um, do you ever listen to Tom versus Aquaman or Tom versus the Flash before that? Uh, no, which I've heard amazing things about, of course. Tom vs. Aquaman is really, really funny. Tom vs. The Flash, uh, I recently listened to the entire Trial of the Flash storyline. <laughs> um, and, you know, the episodes are 15 minutes or something for Tom vs. The Flash, and it's 20, 20 odd issues, 25 wow. issues, maybe. So it took me a long time. I had the stupid idea that I was going to listen to them all in an afternoon, and then I was like, no, <laughs> this, is, this is quite a few days worth of listening. But, um, but one of the things that I think Tom caters does really well is really show how set in the time periods, but not even the time periods, set in like 10 years before the time periods the DC is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when he's talking about like the Silver Age or stuff in the 60s, it's it, the heroes aren't 
reflecting time in the way that Marvel heroes were. Oh yeah, like you said, they're actually backwards. I I I love, and because there's kind of that idea of, um, I mean, it's kind of not even on their minds. They've got a whole separate set of stories that they're trying, uh, or not stories, a whole separate set of problems that they're trying to solve that are comical when you look at them through the lens of like what's you know what's interesting to kids like i'll never forget like the the fact that hal jordan actually was an insurance adjuster you know (laughs) which is awesome isn't that awesome like i love that so much i i I, I never read any of those stories until i read the showcase where exactly um and it's so great for him to be like I'm lovesick and distraught. I've got to go and find myself a new life. So I'm quitting this jet pilot business. I'm becoming an insurance adjuster who doesn't do the door. And I'll walk by anyone, any editor be like, yeah, that's going to work. Uh, they try their hardest to make it work. Every issue will go and someone will be like, my diamond drink has been stolen. And he'll be like, I can sort that out with my ring. Yes. Like, it's, I mean, it's kind of glorious. It's glorious in the same way that um, Bob Haney's attempts to be hip in Teen Titans are. Right. Do you know what I mean? Where it doesn't, like, there's no reason for it to work. And it doesn't actually work. Mm-hmm. But it's so enjoyable in the way that it doesn't work. Exactly. But you're that like, I'm going to go along. But, I mean, it's it's terrible. Yeah, Hal Jordan's insurance adjuster, I'd completely forgotten. But oh it's true. Like, in what world was that a good idea? Yeah. And and as far as I can tell, it was the world of where somebody's like, huh, after 80 issues, it just seems weird that he keeps running into problems. You know what I mean? So it was this brilliant, like, but if he's an insurance adjuster, there's a problem every issue. That's what they're dealing with. This is a perfect solution. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure every 12-year-old on the block is rushing out to become an insurance adjuster now. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of that weird, like... It's the, the, the back when you make Superman a reporter is such a great idea from the perspective of like, that really was kind of a certain form of blue collar hero of the thirties and forties. Plus it's a, it's this great hook of like, okay, this is why he's there when trouble breaks out. It's it's such a story engine. Like having, having him be someone whose job is not only like his Superman job is to save the day, but his Clark Kent job is to find why the day needs saved. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's great. It's Mm -hmm. such a good idea. It's, it's unbelievably, it's elegant. It's just super, super smooth in this way that you just have to appreciate. Um, And so I can kind of see someone going insurance adjuster. It's just the same thing, you know, and it's just, it's great. Cause it's all, you know, Hal Jordan traveling to new towns and, you know, weeping while he has lonely sex with the woman that he picked up in a bar and, you know, and solving crimes. <laughs> they must've pulled that having sex with the woman he picked up in a bar bar out of the, the showcase reprint. Cause. Well, oh really? Because I remember why. it clearly. <laughs> I remember it like in shocking detail. I'm kind of surprised. I know said that Gil Kane was like really ahead of his time, but still, I think mm-hmm. that was just a little bit too far. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I also Although, that would have been like the most dynamically drawn sex ever, wouldn't it? Like, like I'm, I'm actually picturing it right now. <laughs> think about Hal it. Jordan, Hal Jordan obviously would be on top, right? The woman would be lying down. Her hand would be pretty much coming out the panel. Right. She was like her head would be twisted entirely back. Yeah. And he, way, he's and, holding and, her wrist, 
right? Yes, and his leg, one of his legs, is like folded over her. Yes. Wow, this is like our creepiest podcast yet. But I have to say, I can totally see that completely. Please, someone on the internet, please draw this because I know that everyone who's ever read a Gil Kane comic is listening to this and they know exactly what we're talking about. Exactly, exactly. And we're not even talking about the actual uh, panel of Climax where there's the giant, like, floating heads, um, which would also be great. (laughs) I'm literally picturing Al Jordan um, having an orgasm and, like, the Guardians of the Universe heads are floating behind him and they're like, Al Jordan, we need you. not what I was going for, but that's a damn good story twist. I have to say, Graham, I'm liking the cut of your jib more and more and more. That, that jib's looking fantastic. Um, Give me a job. Mm-hmm. Serious. Oh, man. <laughs> the best part was, like, we've gotten so off topic. We were we were going to talk about the news, and then we're like, so when Hal Jordan was having sex, right? Right, and exactly. Like Gil Kane, it was awesome. And then Sid Green inked it, and it wasn't quite as exciting, so. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're at 25 minutes in. We're pretty much potentially finished with our first of our little installments, and yeah, we have yet to discuss anything that we wanted to discuss. Except we got to talk about superhero movies in a way that, um, you know. <laughs> Makes us probably sound like old men. <laughs> And kind of filthy old men. So I, well, I think yeah, that actually true. works quite well. Um, yeah. Uh, points for us then. Kudos. Uh, yes. Good job, everyone. <laughs> Good job, everyone involved. <laughs> well, do you want to do you want to wrap this and I will call you back immediately? Like immediately, are, immediately. Are really? Are we going to do like a half hour episodes this week? That'd be awesome. If we could just do half hour episodes and like split them off. Yeah. Let's do That's it. what we should do. Okay, this will forever be known as the Superhero Movies and Hal Jordan Having Sex podcast. That's, that's your headline. That, that should be the subject. <laughs> and so it shall be done. Okay. Exactly. So say we all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, I will call you back in like seven call, seconds and we will, no, we call, will call me back in like five minutes so I can take care of the call of nature and then <laughs> no not call of nature I know we've just been talking about Hal Jordan fucking but I'm talking to him. no 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 I was <laughs> I was actually thinking of like the call of nature and then somehow it's like the podcast of nature I don't know I was just going with that whole like huh yeah Na- nature magazine's giving me a call it's like drawing people having sex it's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining Jack Kirby porn you're imagining what? Jack Kirby born? But can you imagine? Again, the most dynamic sex in the world. See, this is the weird he, thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jack Kirby born, the the best part of it would be the orgasm shot. Because it would just be like a man with his mouth open. Right. Do you know what I mean? Uh, that's funny like, because I sort of see it as... Uh, right. See, that... <laughs> but he would be. He'd be like... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, you know, whatever. Jeff Lester is having a quotation mark orgasm quotation mark. Okay, the quotation marks would be awesome. That's the exclamation point. The crackle parts would be awesome. Um, the Kirby oh crackle dots. So yeah, <laughs> that would be fantastic. You know, the weird thing about it is, and maybe this is just me, like Gil Kane is a sensualist 
in in a way that yes. I never yeah. see Jack Kirby being. So, no, totally be... right. Like Gil Kane porn would actually make more sense in a really weird way. Yeah, but but I would actually have a very difficult time like having. Like I, I like as somebody Kirby, who Kirby sex would like be like weirdly violent. Yeah, I guess. Like if if you were trying to even put it in like kind of a sexy context, like there's something about all of his character. Like I'm I'm not really sure. Even for me, once you factor in Big Barda, and my apologies to Michael Chabon, I'm not really sure that any of Kirby's females were actually sexy. And I mean, I think that's okay, but I just I, think I, I will such a... wait. So you're saying Barda isn't sexy? I don't. I kind of don't think that she is. Like I have like uh, tremendous. So you're, you're horrendously wrong in that. <sighs> I will give you every other female character he has, but I I think Barda is a fox, a stone cold four color fox. My she, well, she okay. She is, but in a way that, in a way for me that sex isn't involved. I don't know how that sounds. That probably sounds weird. Like Barda is by far the sexiest of, of the Kirby women, in a way that just doesn't necessarily have much to do with sex for me. You know what I mean? I, I does that sound that. completely weird? I mean, no, it, it's, it sounds kind of weird, but I actually also know where you're going. Okay, all right. So it's so it's good. Where's it's, the? It's, it's funny you say that though, because as I was saying that, like my eyes looking over at the bookshelf, and I, I just caught the sight of JLA Earth too, and I realized, like, quite least like that for me. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can really quite see that. I I love his art, mm-hmm. but I like the idea of him coming up with anything sexy. No. Interesting, interesting. So you didn't think the the bike club uh, covers did were at all sexy in any way, or I could see how they could be, but I didn't find them sexy. If that makes sense. Interesting, interesting. Because I I actually I, I think that maybe that's kind of me. Like I'm kind of like I can actually kind of see the quietly stuff being uh being kind of sexy because he does he does skeevy kind of well. So if you like sort of so yeah so if skeevy sexy is what you're looking for I guess right. yeah then so because some some of his sort of skeevy or punkier women I think actually are kind of sexy uh, in in a way that I can almost kind of see being sexual again there's sort of that that weird I mentioned Chris Weston earlier but there's some of the stuff it like the some of the stuff in the filth. Um, reminds me of quietly and and also has it very in some cases some creepily sexual connotations so See, little... that, that's really interesting because it feels i think is a very sexual book but definitely not a sexy book if that makes sense interesting uh and, I, and, and for me that's almost entirely down to weston's art mm-hmm. weston's art i just don't find attractive i think it's good but i just don't find it attractive interesting yeah i guess i guess i I probably have a slightly um, uh, skeevier sex spider yeah, sense exactly. than you do. You have a skeevier aesthetic. <laughs> I guess I, I, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how true that is. I think it might just be like our tastes and artists. It could be. It like because I like I like both of those artists, but I the idea of them being like drawing something sexy is something that I I, I just have trouble with, I guess. And maybe it's because I don't find either of them draw attractive characters. Well, see, that's it. And that's the thing of, like, I think the characters that he, that they draw, I find attractive probably because I have had, like, you know, the the weirdo 
crush on on Courtney Love or like once you've had a couple of white trash crushes, it's kind of easier to I think see those characters as being able to draw sexy characters. <laughs> once you've gone trash, you don't go back. No, thank God you do. Thank you. And if there's anybody <laughs> listening, it's not too late, people. Honestly. Exactly. Yes. Come join my support group. There, there is hope for you. Come join my support group. <laughs> <laughs> All this right. Podcasts totally taking a turn for this real. You know, it really when is. We come back, I'll tell you what the artists I do find sexy. <laughs> probably should or you can tell us now because there's i've told i've told you before like there are two comic artists so i find like their work incredibly sexy even when it's not sexual uh raymond paul pope i think both like i i find both of their work incredibly sexy right right wait so i'm sorry you find their work incredibly sexy but what was the no i i find their work sexy even when it is not sexual Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. I I think there's something sexy about, for example, Batman Year 100. And there's nothing explicitly sexual about that one. But you Uh, don't think that's the connotations of Pope's previous erotic work or erotic tinged work? Kind of having that. No, because I saw Year 100 before I seen the other stuff. Oh, really? Interesting. Huh. Because. I mean, it's more difficult to say that about Graham because I think Graham does a very like sexualized working for everything. Well, yeah, actually Graham's the one that's really interesting to me because that's the one where, um, yeah, where it's very similar to me is his, 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 I feel like his, his sexual aesthetic is inherent almost in everything that he draws. You know what I mean? Like there's something about the, the way that his, his predilection for curved lines so totally lines up with his fixation for butts, you know what I mean? That it just... Not entirely, but the, the thing I find really interesting about that um, is while I think that A, his work is sexy and sexual, I also find when he's doing relationships between characters, even uh, I don't say explicitly sexual, but things like Catmaster and I can't remember the character's name in King City, mm-hmm. the, 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 the woman who's sort of running the show, Yes. Um, I find there's a sweetness in there as well, mm-hmm. which really interests me. Like it's it's sexual, but it's also human. Right. Well, and that's that's also the case in um, of that the issue of uh, multiple warheads. Yes, what it's called. Um, yeah. Where the stuff there is also very very grounded in, yeah, in in the, in 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 sort of in the. People. Yeah, in the people and sort of their inner relations. Yeah, um, and, and the fact that multiple warheads started off as porn, mm-hmm. I really would love to see it. Do you know what I mean? I would be really curious to see if the work that he describes as porn has the same character work in it, mm-hmm. has the same sweetness. Like that, I I would love that. I would, I would really be interested to see it. I don't think it's in print anymore. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um... I would I would also be interested in seeing that stuff, but no, that's I don't know. It's funny. It's like when you said that, I'm like, Graham, that's like the least two surprising picks for sexy artists ever in a way. Like, I'm I'm really obvious. What, what do you want me to say? Mike McCone's work is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's some challenges. You know who's sexy? Vince Coletta's sexy. Not just the artist, not just the art, but no, the artist, the, the guy, really the actual man. Nothing says sexy like cutting corners. 
No, I'd all be right. really old, like in all of them, because I'd be like, you know, Gabriel Ba's work is sexy, but yeah, I, I think that's almost expected. <clears throat> yes, and again, it's kind of lined up. Like, I'm trying to think of somebody whose work that I find sexy in a way. Well, you know, it's interesting. I never, and this is, this isn't interesting because it's the least surprising thing. Jim Lee's work is absolutely unsexy to me. You know, even when there's oh, like, I, I, I can completely see that. I can, yeah. I can see. Yeah. You know, which again is that funny thing because, of course, the the characters are pretty sexualized, but there's it's so it's so airless in a way that that, ha- that is deeply uninteresting. Like like when like all those shots of like you know when they had that classic like excerpt uh, of Frank Miller's script when he's talking about Vicky Vale and dressing or something, and he's like, okay, yeah, exactly. Jim. It was like. I I I generally is a great superhero artist, but when he's doing the like the sexy striptease, it's kind of like, wow, you've never seen a real person. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, clearly, like you know that he has. Um, no, no, but it's it just there's something completely missing. The, there's no in, real in fiction of, of people in general, not not just like women or not not just like sexuality. There, there's something uh, absent in his character work. Right. It feels like it's drawings from someone who's learned how to draw people by looking at drawings of people. You know, that's so funny. I was actually going to take it a step farther and say that, that actually Jim, like what Jim Lee thinks is inherently interesting in superheroes is that absence, you know, like there is like, there's, like people would say that it's like an absence of weakness or something like he might define it as an absence of weakness or, or a a, a lack of something like, in other words, he defines strength as a lack of weakness, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, cause I'm kind of curious, like to me, if you look at say someone like Frank Cho, who's kind of close to Jim Lee in a lot of ways in some of his illustration style for drawing and clearly spending a lot of time drawing. I think he actually, his stuff is actually pretty sexy. Um, and also... I'm, but, I'm yeah, I... Um, no, you don't think I, so? Well, no, I've just got a problem with Joe. Well, two things. One, I, again, I think he really suffers from a lack of life in his work. Mm. And two, I think that he's so obvious in his sexiness that it's sort of it stops being sexy because I kind of feel like insulted. Interesting. I think that it's actually the, he strikes me as the Frank Cho strikes me as the sort of guy who honestly goes to Hooters for himself. You know what I mean? Like he does not. It, he's not taking someone else there. He's not going ironically. Um, he has problems. Like honestly, I think his his when it's in the in the context of a story you start seeing real problems like i don't think that i don't think he has any interest in people for an for lack of a better term so when you see people's the acting of people it's actually pretty bad but like just his like when he's doing his like Alex Raymond influenced drawings like i think you could sit him and G- Jim Lee down have them work from like a similar great Bern Hogarth or Alex Raymond illustration or something. And the results that you get would be like markedly different in a way that I don't think is just purely that they're drawing. I mean, different from each other, not just different from. No, I, I understand. Work. Yeah. Um, that I think is this weird, like I like this because of this thing. Like, um, 
And, and so it, it's interesting. I, you know, it's kind of funny because, because I just feel like look when you look to me, having seen a little bit, God knows Jim Lee's been in the business long enough. And of course, part of the problem is his style is successful enough that people are like, yeah, hey, yeah, no, just keep doing this. But I mean, like if you look at his, his like illustrations and sketchbooks and he's been around for a long time. I do believe the dude draws from life and pays attention to it. I just think he's, it's, it's just inherently uninteresting to him. Like, you know, I think, or, or rather the things that he is interested in drawing that he feels that the, not just that the field needs, but also what he's interested in is really this weird airless lack of things. And that absence is the thing that strikes me as really kind of dull and vacuum packed about the guy. What's interesting is you've just um, reminded me of his Liberty comics work. That I think he was illustrating a gaming script, uh-huh. um, which it reminded me of, like, I actually really liked that. And I thought that work showed incredible sensitivity. And I, it's now got me thinking, I wonder if I'm, I wonder if I disagree with you. I wonder if it, my problem with Jim Lee is that he's drawing what he thinks superhero comics should draw like, should look like, mm-hmm. and that I just disagree entirely with that. Yeah, as I, opposed to like he he as an artist has this problem. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it might be closer to the truth. I mean, there's other things. I mean, I'd have to see his Liberty Comics work. I definitely remember when he had that series for Wildstorm about the pizza boy or whatever, where I was... Oh, the, Divine Right? Yeah, exactly. Where I was like, wow, this is unbelievably inauthentic. But, I mean, that was a long time ago. And I, I would be... I would have a sneaking suspicion that he would potentially do it differently. But, but yeah, I just think that it's kind of what he's interested in. I do think that there's a point where, like, there are those guys who can sit down and, in a way, can probably draw anything and draw it in a way mm-hmm. that in pretty much any way, but it's like, this is what they want to do, or mm-hmm. this is what they think the medium needs, uh, or both, in which case, you know, they're, they're pretty happy with what they're doing in which in case life. They're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Okay. Well, guess what? We blew that 30 okay. minute deadline. Yeah, I know. <laughs> five minutes and then I'll be by. Five all, minutes. All right. I'll talk to you in five. <laughs>